Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Back by popular demand, my husband Dan is joining me today. He hasn't been on the podcast for a while, and he's kind of a fan favorite. So, Dan, welcome to the program. Hi, darling. Happy to be back with you. <laughs> yeah, we've had some good feedback in the past, and it's been a while, and it's just because I've had other content that I wanted to roll out. But, you know, the whole point of a podcast like mine is to help us all thrive in all realms of love and life. And yes, many of my listeners are single, but most of my listeners are hoping at some point to have a strong, solid, healthy, happy marriage. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And of course, we're going to back it up with some psych research and also our own opinion and our own experience. Also, you may hear some pup like noises in the background. We have both Lolly, who you know from Instagram, and our new rescue pup, Copper, with us. Because like most parents, when you have a new baby, you can't bear to have the babies outside of your sight. So they're with us here in the studio and may or may not bark slash scratch, slash snort, slash squeak, if there's a toy involved. (laughs) (laughs) There may be. That's very likely. (laughs) Very likely. Let's dig into the topic for today, which is all about how to have a strong, solid, sexy, exciting marriage, and what we can do in our single life now to prepare for that. Because one of the things that I'm so excited about and so passionate about, and my listeners know this, is to create a life for ourselves in our single years that is going to build a solid foundation for that marriage. You know, a lot of my listeners or followers, they'll, they'll reach out to me and they feel, they feel frustrated because... I'm in my 30s now, or I'm in my 40s now, and I'm still single, and it feels like time is slipping away, and it's wasted. This time that I anticipated, I expected, I wanted to be in a marriage at this point in my life, and I'm not, and it just feels like everyone else is out ahead of me, and here I am, and it's wasted. But my point is, and what we're going to talk about today and the research shows, the time that we spend single is not at all wasted, and we're going to share from our own experience and from the research why this is so and how you right now can take steps as a single person to ensure you have a strong and healthy marriage. So earlier today, I let people know on Instagram that Dan was going to join me on the program to see if they had any questions for us. And they did have several But the biggest one that kind of encompasses all of the questions was really, what's the secret to a happy marriage? What are the the best recommendations for a happy marriage? And it was perfect because I then looked at some research to see what I could bring from the psych literature, of course. And then I also asked Dan, hey, what do you think? What do you think makes a strong marriage? Besides being married to me, of course, <laughs> which is just so easy. 
But no, I, I just said, because it's great to get the male perspective. And in my past as a single woman, I used to get really frustrated that so often it would be women writing books about the secrets of the male mind and what guys think. And it would always drive me crazy because I thought, you're a woman too. Why are you trying to tell me what guys think? So I think it's really valuable to have that male perspective. So today's episode, we're going to have some psych research and then we'll integrate Dan's perspective and, and we'll take it from there. Dan invented it because I kept burning my tongue on my black coffee. And then we realized the perfecter could do so much more. It's the only way to brew coffee or tea and then immediately ice it for iced coffee or iced tea without watering down the flavor. It also brings bourbon to a perfect chill, again, without diluting it or bruising the flavor notes. But my favorite application, wine. The perfecter takes your room temperature red to the recommended low 60s in just 20 seconds. And as a bonus, the Perfector aerates your vintage as well. Check out all the Perfector's applications, including bringing white wine to its most flavorful temperature at drinkperfection.com. Love and Life listeners can use promo code PODCAST at checkout for 20% off your Perfector. So the article that I found is called The Recipe for a Happy Marriage, The Seven Scientific Secrets. And it was from Time Magazine in 2014. And it was based on a book that I've read, actually. And I read it, sweetie, right before we met. And the book was called For Better, How the Surprising Science of Happy Couples Can Help Your Marriage Succeed by Tara Parker Pope. And I remember as a single woman, of course, and a psych nerd, I was always looking for what does the research say? because I wanted to ensure that I would have a strong marriage whenever that would happen. And yes, I was 40 when we met, so it was taking a lot longer than I expected. And one of my favorite points from this article is that according to the research, we should, when we're single, keep our standards high so that when we get into the marriage, we keep our standards high even in the marriage. And I love this. And the article says, more and more people are told their expectations for marriage are too high. Research says the reverse. People who expect more get more. And I love this because, of course, you know, sweetie, that one of my things is never, ever settle. And one of the Quotes, I came across when I was single, and I share this quote when I speak to single groups because it was so life-changing for me because it affirmed for me exactly what I knew down deep in my heart. I had, I, I couldn't settle and I didn't want to, and I refused to. And the quote is by W. Somerset Mom. It's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you will very often get it. And that's a powerful perspective to take. And one that because we don't settle and we keep our expectations high, then we step into a marriage saying, hey, listen, I didn't settle, you didn't settle. So let's do this and let's do this with excellence. Well, nobody goes in hoping to have an average marriage. Everyone, I'm sure, hopes to have an exceptional marriage. And that's one of the things when you asked me to to think about some of the keys that I I believe are are important to have a a great relationship slash marriage. And one of the things is to avoid complacency. 
So that ties into this topic about high expectations. So once that you do find that partner, whether you're married or you're just in a long-term relationship, the key is really to to not take that person for granted. You know, we hear about dating your spouse. Um, we know that we put our A-game right out front and center when we're dating. For instance, honey, when I met you, it was so attractive to me that you were such this well-rounded, high expectation person that had lived life and was not just sitting around at her, in her parents' home waiting for the right guy to come along, waiting for Prince Charming. You were out changing the world, doing things that you loved, having great friends, having great experiences. And so to me, that was somebody with high expectations and somebody that, that I could connect with. And that's why we ended up having a seven-hour first date, by the way. <laughs> um, but, but I think as far as the, the relationship and keeping a strong relationship, and part of it, of course, we could say, hey, you know, don't wear cotton sweats every night and keep it sexy. And, <laughs> but it's not just about you know, physical attraction. It's about your actions, right? How you treat each other and continuing to value the relationship. In addition, not being complacent with yourself, not being complacent in your job, not being complacent in your personal knowledge, just continuing to grow as a person and continuing to be interesting and interested in your partner, in your relationship, in life in general, and just be having a curious mind. So, so those high expectations and that the opposite of that, the complacency, um, I think the complacency is certainly something to avoid, which is difficult to do, but is critical. And that high expectation is just as critical and, and ties into the opposite side of that. And we were talking about this earlier and uh, as we were preparing dinner and I had received a DM from a, a follower who had just gone through a breakup and she's in her early 30s and she's really frustrated. She's really scared about not becoming a mother and she's just having a really, she was just saying, hey, how do I not be so despondent? How do I do this? And you said, you know, that's something we can share tonight when we get on the podcast because complacency can come from not appreciating what you have. And I think my listeners, those that are single, another benefit of being single for a while is that we appreciate, you know, someone who gets hooked up with someone in their early 20s, and that's not a bad thing. Sometimes that works out for people. But it's often when you get something sure. really wonderful early on, it's harder to appreciate it, don't you think? And so, yeah. So since we're talking about the aspects of the single life that actually build into your future marriage, one of these is that you will probably be less likely to be complacent. And then I want to also share what the researchers found about keeping your standards high. People who have idealistic standards, who really want to be treated well, and who want romance and passion from their marriage, end up getting that kind of marriage. Men and women with low standards, who don't expect good treatment, communication, or romance, end up in relationships that don't offer those things. Husbands and wives who hold their partners to a reasonably high standard have better marriages. If you expect a better, more satisfying relationship, you improve your chances of having one. Love it. That's not surprising to me. 
No. And I love when the research confirms what we know down deep to be true, that we should have high expectations. We should keep our standards high. And when we do that, we have a better chance of having that marriage, that relationship that we are looking for. And that research spoke to communication and having high standards and high expectation for communication. I know that's a big one for you. Right. That is one that I wrote down. And that may be the most important, of course, because you can you can help avoid complacency with communication. You can help avoid a lot of other problems. And there is no way throughout a marriage, no matter how great of match that you have, that you're not going to have issues. You're not going to have feelings. Feelings are going to get hurt. There's going to be misunderstandings. And the only way to deal with those and deal with those where there's no resentment and repercussions afterwards is communication kindly and honestly. And so I think if the maturity level is there of both people, that the greater the communication, the greater the relationship. My lovely wife, Karen, sitting across from me is the nicest person I know, seriously. But we still, every once in a while, it's rare, but we do have misunderstandings and and maybe some feelings get hurt or there's something that was taken the wrong way. And we were both, I think, decent communicators. Um, but even, even people that are used to communicating, you really have to think about how to do it kindly and how to do it with love so that, so that you're not really putting that person on the defense and that you're, you're doing it as a partnership and, and you're doing it really for the benefit of both of you. So it's not just to get yourself out of hot water because because that should probably that should never really happen anyway. If you're honest in a relationship and and there's there's no deception going on, then it should just be, hey, there was a misunderstanding. Here's why I thought this and did this. And I apologize. Next time I'll I'll consider doing it this way or or we'll talk about it beforehand and, and just do it in such a a concerned, compassionate way that your relationship will even be stronger once you move through it. Yeah, and the only thing I would add to that is that it's the way that you communicate because people love to say communication is the key and of course it is, but it's also, at least for me, because I'm a little bit sensitive. You are sensitive. <laughs> and I, I know sometimes, you know, we've, you know, we'll hold hands when we talk mm-hmm. about something that maybe there was a disagreement about and you make sure that you are engaged and there's eye contact and, and, you know, those things are important. You know, personal touch is important and, and just, just having that empathy for your partner and, and, and not make it a competition and not be too defensive either way so that, hey, we're, we're both here trying to, to get to the same goal of being happy, healthy partners and in this amazing life we've been given. And so, um, well, and I've heard it put this way where don't forget you're on the same team. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's it's way too easy to keep score. You know, that's the easy thing to do, right, is to is to keep score and and to. But do you do that now with me? I don't No. No. And I don't do that with you. Honestly, I really and I know and I've heard that a lot. And so I think it's it's a good thing to mention. But definitely in our relationship, like I don't have any tallies in my mind. I'm probably not 
organized enough to keep a tally in my mind. Well, I'm too scatterbrained. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just well, more think, random. I think, a lot, I think a lot of it is, I think a lot of it is just giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. So it's always easy for the human mind to go negative. Oh, why'd she do that? Or why has she been gone so long? Or, and, and half the time, if you're gone, it's because you're doing something for me or you're doing something for others, you know? And so, and that's just one little example, but um, you know, it's so easy to go in a negative place. And I would just encourage anyone, no matter what relationship they're in or, or if they're not one yet and they, they get in one is to, is to, if you're in a relationship with the right person and you develop that trust, then give them the benefit of the doubt because it saves a lot of heartache and, and just a lot of, and a lot of indigestion. <laughs> and I'm remembering early on in our marriage, I think one time you said to me something like, calm down. Do you remember that? Oh, and I, I remember it, yeah. And I lost my mind. <laughs> and so that's what I mean about like specifically the way you communicate. So for me, if someone tells me to calm down, I don't hear that they're really truly loving me and trying to help me calm and settle. What I hear is, what you're upset about isn't valid, that you're minimizing my emotions, that you think that what I'm upset about isn't worth me being upset about. So really early on in our, our marriage, you learned, I will not say that. That's not a phrase I use anymore. No, it's not. <laughs> right. And because, it, again, so what my point is, communication has to be framed in the way that we can receive it in a way that feels like all these things you're saying, that feels supportive, that feels like we're on the same team. And that particular phrase didn't feel supportive or that we were on the same team. Mm -hmm. And so right away, I, I bristled, I flipped out, and you heard me, and you've never said that since. And why would you, right? Because you can say probably 75 other ways of saying that same thing that I can receive. And I'm not that crazy defensive. I mean, I'm a little defensive because we all are, right? But you've found that, hey, if I want to love Karen the way Karen needs to be loved, I got to figure out a different way to say this. And you did. And that's just, that's just love. That's just being a healthy communicator. Because it's not about, about like, I got to get my point across. It's about how can I get my point across in a way that she can receive it and then we can stay on the same team. Makes life a lot easier. <laughs> it's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast. And I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page, and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. 
She walks her talk and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May, tim at loveandlifemedia.com. Okay, what else you got for us, babe? Well, I think another one is avoid ruts. And what I mean by that is really the best word is routine. Avoid bad routines and have good routines. So as far as the bad routines, an example would be that you're one of you is too busy and so you're always going to bed at separate times. Oh, that's a good one for us. Let's let's get real tangible here. So uh, I don't know if my listeners know this, but I am legit straight up 100% bona fide night owl. And when, That's when, a fact. Yeah. And when Dan and I met, I was actually teaching college courses in the grad program that started at five o'clock at night. So I would teach these courses five to nine and then drive home, which was usually about an hour because some of these were in the burbs and I was living in the city proper and get home at like 10, 1030, have dinner like 11, 1130 and then do my stuff I had to do at night. So I was literally going to bed at one, two on the regular, maybe three. Dan is the exact opposite. He is straight up morning, early bird, had to get up oftentimes at four o'clock in the morning to catch a six o'clock flight. So when we met, we were our circadian rhythms and there's research behind this. People look it up. It's legit. I'm not just lazy. There's really circadian rhythm research. So. We were very much on different schedules. And one of the things we've done in our marriage, and it's been a little bit of both of us adjusting. Dan used to go to bed a lot earlier. I used to go to bed way later. And we've tried to meet in the middle. So that's a routine we've tried to establish for each other to compromise. And it's not a big deal, but it's been helpful. Well, it has been helpful because we were probably on an eight-hour different schedule, <laughs> and and with that compromise, we go to bed. You know, now instead of ten, I go to bed at eleven thirty probably, and uh, and Karen has brought hers back to you know to certainly quite a bit earlier <laughs> to than, more normal hours. <laughs> yes, yes, no longer vampire hours, and <laughs> and um, yeah, and it allows us to to talk, to wind down, to read, and to pray together, and. I think I think some people it's it's really easy and using you know too busy as an excuse or or maybe there's different work schedules and I know that some of that can't be avoided but hopefully it can be avoided long term prioritizing making money versus spending quality time together and and really building that relationship and that love you know, that I think that's a bad habit people get into. We know money is very important, but it's certainly not the end all be all. And if that is the primary focus, then eventually there's going to be issues. Now, one uh, personal pet peeve I have, and it, it could be that no one agrees with me out there, but I think it's a mistake to have a big, beautiful TV in the bedroom. I think the bedroom is for making love and sleeping. And I don't think that it's a place to be eating and watching TV until you fall asleep. That's just my personal opinion. No judgment. But I think that you can keep it, your marriage a little sexier, a little healthier and consistent if, uh, if that's not the case. If, if your entertainment center is not in your bedroom. 
But what if it's a Netflix and chill type situation? <laughs> as, long, as long as the chill is there, I guess, right? <laughs> right. Well, darling, you are correct because according to the research that I came across, one of the secrets to a happy marriage is to have more sex. God bless the research. <laughs> right. So according to the study, over the course of a marriage, desire can lessen. Despite this, Sex is healthy and has all kinds of biological and emotional benefits that should not be ignored. <laughs> Over time, regular sex can improve your mood, make you more patient, damp down anger, and lead to a better, more contented relationship. And the author actually says when she's writing the book, put down this book and go have sex with your partner. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. I agree with that research. Absolutely. And and that should not be minimized. And there's all kinds of biological realities, the oxytocin that's a bonding hormone. Keeping sex a priority is huge. And you definitely hear that when you look at or you talk to someone who's in an unhappy marriage. They've let that sex become less of a priority. And it's easy for that to happen. Everybody is busy and you get tired People don't feel like doing it. And Dr. Laura, somebody I've listened to for years, I think she talks about uh, chewing coffee beans. Anything that you have to do to keep yourself awake and and keep the, the sex life alive and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> if you're single, you've likely heard it all. You've been told you're too picky. You should just get on another dating app or that you're not trying hard enough. And you're probably really tired of hearing those messages because I know I was when I was single for all those years, which is why I felt the need to bring another perspective to the dating relationship self-help genre. Single is the new black, don't wear white till it's right, is my take on what the single life can be if we refuse to settle, we know that we're worth an extraordinary relationship, and we refuse to fall prey to single shaming. Trust me, it is a different self-help book. Check it out on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or on my website, www.drkarin.me, D-R-K-A-R-I-N dot me. So related to sex is excitement. And according to Parker Polk's research, couples don't need more pleasant activities. They need more exciting activities to hold on to the rush they felt when they first fell in love. I like it. I think that, uh, in fact, the fourth thing that I wrote down was to, to keep it exciting. Plan trips. Set your goals together. Have something to look forward to. I think one of our favorite nights of the year is when we set our goals for the year. Yeah. You know, it's um, you know, just those things to think about and try to achieve together. And it's so fun to have a trip that's on the horizon. I think that is just critical. So according to the article, couples who were intentional about trying to plan exciting date nights as opposed to pleasant date nights, what they found was that those who had undertaken the exciting date nights showed a significantly greater increase in marital satisfaction than the pleasant date night group. And they say, protect your marriage by regularly trying new things 
and sharing new experiences with your spouse. Make a list of the favorite things you and your spouse do together, and then make a list of the fun things you'd like to try. Avoid old habits and make plans to do something fresh and different once a week. I think that's good because, you know, there's the unknown aspect that's that's pretty cool. The unexpected, you know, meeting new people, just all those things that are those different experiences that that just are that you throw in the memory bank and that those are things that you experience together and learn together and. Well, and sorry to interrupt you, but it reminds me of research I came across years ago that talks about when people go on dates, that if they do a a risky or an exciting date event, like they go to amusement parks and they're on roller coasters or they do a scavenger hunt or something really kind of that gets their adrenaline rush going, that what happens is they look at their partner who they're on this excursion with and they go, oh my gosh, I'm feeling all these feelings physiologically. I must be into this person. Well, really, it's because they've heightened their adrenaline is rushing, right? And they've got this physiological response to the risky activity they're doing, but they attribute that physiological response to the person they're with. And in this case, it may not be, a, it's not the first date because no. you're in a relationship, right? You're married. And so all it does is enhance what you already have, not misconstruing what you might not have. (laughs) Okay, true. I'm not talking about a first date situation, but the point is, is that when we get our biology in step with where we want to be emotionally, right? So if I want to feel excited about my partner, I got to do exciting things with my partner. I get it. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. (laughs) Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram at Dr. Karen, that's D-R dot K-A-R-I-N. On Twitter, I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson. Live tweet with me when I watch my favorite shows, Will and Grace, my brand new fave, God Friended Me, and of course, all shows Bachelor Nation. Join me on Facebook where I'm stepping up my Facebook Live game. I'm at Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Okay, so another factor from the article was don't expect your spouse to make you happy. Dan just nodded his head and... That is... <laughs> Remember, we're on a podcast, babe. You got to be you gotta be audible. I mean, yeah. auditory information, not visual information. I think that it is so important to realize that we are not going to change people that we cannot wake up and expect our actions to make our partner happy. It's happiness is an inside job. We all know that all mature adults know that. And so that is very important for each person in the relationship to understand that it's not your job to make me happy. It's my job. And in fact, I'm not so sure that that is not one of the most important facts for everyone to understand in a relationship because if we all take ownership of our own happiness then everything is so much easier well i think it's counterintuitive because i i know a lot of people think when i have that relationship when i get a boyfriend when i get a husband when i have the kids when i have the life that i envision then i'll be happy and 
I do a lot of posts on Instagram about it's actually backwards. I, I There was a post I did a while ago that was get happy to get love, not the other way around. Because a lot of people think when I get love, then I'll get happy. And it's a, a huge burden to put on your spouse, frankly. And it's not loving and it's not fair. So if I walk around all day expecting you to make me happy, am I being a loving wife? No, I'm being a really selfish, entitled wife. But people really struggle with this because they truly think that this, they have this void. And when someone comes into their life, they're going to fill that void. So they have it all backwards. I mean, and I'll give an example. We have times, and, and I, I've had several times, when I get into a funk. And you might try to say something nice or whatever. And I've literally told you, you know what? I'm in a space right now. And I'll be like, give me 25 minutes and I'll be fine, right? Because I know myself. And I know that sometimes I just get into that mood. I get into that funk and I know that I'm going to go there. And I also know because, again, another bonus of being single. There were many, 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 many times over my many, 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 many years of being single where I got into a funk and I could sit in my apartment and be miserable for the rest of the night or I could go, Okay, Karen, guess what? It's you. You decide to stay in this funk and ruminate and cogitate and be miserable for the rest of the night and waste a night, or you decide to get yourself out of it. And because I had all those times to do that on my own, I've learned to do that. So when I came to this marriage, I did not expect you to fix me, to make me feel happy, to heal me, to make me complete. And this really flies in the face of a lot of the rhetoric out there. A lot of people are like, I'm, you know, you complete me. What was that Jerry Maguire, like horrible line? Or I met my partner and he healed me. He didn't even know he was a healer, but he healed me. And I'm just not for that. I'm about autonomy and self-sufficiency And what I see is that that is a gift we give each other. Thank you, sweetie. (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome, darling. (laughs) It makes it so much easier. The love and life hack for this week is science is sexy. Science can help us have strong, committed, and yeah, sexy marriages. And as I mentioned earlier, singles, this information is for you because so much of what you do in your single life is preparing you for that fantastic, extraordinary, remarkable marriage. Because we're not about mediocre or average or boring marriages. We are for the extraordinary. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Thanks so much for joining Dan and me today. We've really enjoyed sharing the science and our experience. Thanks so much for subscribing to the podcast, for rating and reviewing episodes, and for sharing it with your friends. It means so much to me. And until next time, make it a great week.
Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram. <laughs>